Hi, my name is Allie Williams, and I am obsessed with all things business, building a life you love, and living via leaps of faith. I'm a 5-1 fireball of spunk and fun. Four years ago, I left my old Kentucky home via a 72-hour crowdfunding campaign to join an entrepreneurial program in Silicon Valley. Little did I know after, I would actually be learning in the best classroom, the world. From fun to failure to deep faith-forming seasons, I explored, built businesses, loved life, met a boy on an Instagram dating show, and realized I was finally ready to bet on myself. Now, I'm coming to you from North Carolina to teach you what my years of chasing success taught me. Life is not about beating or becoming anyone else. It's not about your income, accomplishments, or wins. It's about your integrity. The things you want simply lead you to accumulating the courage and character you crave. The process allows you to be exactly who you've always wanted to be. Here, we're focused on one thing, helping you live your best life. Yep, I am indeed the hype girl you never knew you needed. So buckle up, because I believe you were created to change the world. But that requires you to believe it too. The question is, will you? Here, you're going to discover how. So let's dive in, shall we? Welcome to Life Right Up Your Alley. Hello, and guys, welcome back to the Right Up Your Alley podcast. I have one of my favorite people, truly. You've become so quickly one of my favorite people, Macy Cole on, and we're going to get really deep today. So welcome, Macy. We are so excited to have you. Thank you. Thank you so much for um, hosting me. And that means so much, Allie. You have made a huge impact in a short amount of time here in North Carolina. And we're so happy to have you. Oh, you're the best. Um, so as she said, I am in the same city now as Macy in North Carolina. And we love it. It's called Wilmington. I talk about it a lot. You guys probably have picked up on that now. And if you haven't, you should Google it. This is like the best kept secret place in the world. We want to keep it that way. Probably shouldn't be plugging it right now, but it is what it is. Um, <laughs> and I want to just first tell you guys a little bit about Macy. So one, we're friends, we're in the same friend group, but in like the other side of her life, um, she owns a studio called Emotion Studio. Um, I love working out. I was like a huge group workout, like ho, honestly, in LA. I went everywhere <laughs> I had class pass, like the loaded edition of class pass. And every single day I was going to a different studio, trying out different things. It was one of like the greatest joys that I was able to have in LA. And so when I moved to North Carolina, you know, it was the pandemic. A lot of things were still closed. And then as they were opening up, I really struggled to find a place where I like loved practicing. And when I came to Emotion the first time, I was like, oh, this will be like fun. Obviously I know Macy and her husband, Troy, but y'all, I went to her class and she like brought, she like brought it. Like she brought the emotion <laughs> and the heat. I was like, I'm going to like, am I going to pass out or am I going to cry? Or am I like about to be like, like is heaven coming? You know what I mean? Like there were so many emotions and it really was, it was so cool to me. It was like such a gift. And so Macy is incredibly talented at what she does. And we'll kind of get into more of her story after this, but that's the context I want you to know. Like this is a gal that I was connected with, with mutual friends. And then now, you know, I love being able to work out at her studio. And I know so many other people do too. So we're going to start first and foremost, Macy, with you. Who is Macy? 
Well, um, thank you for that amazing intro, Allie. That I, uh, wow, I feel really pumped up right now. <laughs> oh, good. That's the objective. <laughs> of course. Yeah, well, that means a lot. And um, I guess if I had to define myself, I am a faith-centered woman who um, has an amazing husband and a great family and great friends. And I feel like God has put me here and surrounded me with people as amazing as Allie to really lock arms and find what our own spiritual strengths and gifts are, and then use those to help inspire others to find theirs and use theirs as well. So I would say to put it in a nutshell, that is who I am and um, found the space is um, my foundation. And then everything has just kind of seemed to grow from there, which is really cool. I love that. It's funny how God works because when I was writing out the questions and kind of where I wanted to take this podcast, the last thing I have on my list is just to touch on the concept of like, we experience who we are and what we are made to do when we pour gifts and love into others. And I think that really just encapsulates who you are and and what you're able to do through your business and the way that you love people. And then you literally just said that. So it was so cool (laughs) hearing you be like, Oh, this is who I am. Some people are like, I, you know, I have a dog and a husband and you're like, Oh, I actually am here to help people find their gifts and express them. Right. So I love that. Now let's talk about emotion. So that's her business. There is a studio and there's a fit, like a gym as well. That's focused on more like fitness, right? Yep, exactly. Um, And it's an interesting story because when I was 20 and my brother was 17, we decided that we wanted to open a healing space one day and we had planned the whole thing out and there was going to be like a butterfly garden where only positive thoughts exist and the studio would be a mile down this like path where you have to take your shoes off and walk on the ground, you know, this whole thing. And, um, Then two years later, I decided to get yoga certified and I met Troy. And on our first date, I told him that I would be opening a healing center and I would run the yoga side with my brother. And that's what I was going to do with my life. And he was like, oh, like, how long have you been teaching? Like, I haven't ever taught. (laughs) I've only taught or taken like five classes, but I'm starting my teacher training next week. And I just have a good feeling about it all. (laughs) Um, So anyways. All of that to say, that was back in 2012, uh, 10 years ago, and we ended up opening the studio almost six years ago, and it's had many evolutions, but Allie has gotten to come in at its final evolution, and um, Troy runs the fitness side, and that's his bread and butter, and he was a soccer player before he did this, and he um, kind of learned a lot about the body and he studied that in college. And so he's super passionate about helping people. Their tagline is move well, feel well, live well. And then I run the studio side, which is yoga, Pilates bar. And our mission is to heal, connect, inspire the world through unconditional love. And so putting those two pieces together is kind of what emotion is. And we called it emotion. Um, it means energy in motion. And so we kind of like to think of the studio side as like the energy part, like tapping into the felt sense. And then the fitness side is the motion part so tapping into more of our physical sense. And we believe that when you can marry those two things into one, 
um, you can kind of discover who you are and then inspire others, you know, on that journey as well. So good. I love it. It's funny to hear you say 10 years ago, like that was your dream and Troy is her husband, as you guys all have gathered, but hearing you say that and that, you know, just that you were so confident and you had that good feeling on your first date. And then me being able to come in at year 10 and see, you know, what God has done, what you guys have done. I think uh, it's just, it gave me like goosebumps hearing that. And I want whoever's listening to like, let that sink in a little bit. I just want to give that a moment because we get these big, incredible ideas, right? Like 20 year old me had these big, beautiful ideas, like what you just said. And then, you know, when you put that in motion, the expression, it, it takes different forms. It grows. There are phases to the evolution. And like that process gets so discounted. I think so many people feel like a failure or feel, feel like they're not even going to try or, you know, are like, is this even worth it? When really, Hey, you're in like phase one or two, right? And you're saying that I'm like, oh my gosh, I walk into the emotion that is today. And I'm like, I can't wait to see what it is in 10 years. Right. And knowing it started with that big vision too. um, It just makes sense. And so I hope that gives whoever's listening just permission to enjoy the process and see what 10 years can do. Right. It makes me think of that saying like, it takes 10 years to be an overnight success. And I, in entrepreneurship school, like just heard people say over and over that that was very much true. Like on year 10, people will be like, dang, you're so good at this. And you're like, well, I've also like <laughs> been around the block, you know, <laughs> and like had some highs and yeah. lows. I didn't just wake up like this. Um, and yeah. so your, your story is a very perfect example of that. So how has the journey of building your business gone? It has been um, completely insane. Like, I could have never, ever, ever prepared or believed what it would be. And if I had known (laughs) what it was going to be, I probably would have been too scared to attempt it. And I was very ignorant at the time. Um, 22 years old, starting my journey. I was just turned 26 when we opened and we got married and two months later opened a business and didn't even know we were doing that until the day we got back from our honeymoon. So anyways, it was, it was really, really crazy. And I didn't know what I didn't know. I just had a vision that I kept plugging away at, but it would be like saying, I'm going to be like an elite marathon runner, but have never even ran a mile. And then just felt like, Oh, like I just love the essence of running, but then you have to learn the process of what it is to like, run one mile, then 10 miles, then a marathon, and then shave your score down from 10 minute miles to seven to lower, lower, lower. And like that process of refining who I was and exposing my weaknesses in front of people along the way forced me to face like the deepest parts of myself and my shadows in a way that was really scary. And um, my favorite quote is, Um, The quote is called man in the arena and it's kind of a long quote. So I can't necessarily recite it, but the, basically the premise is like, there are people in the arena who are like, they're wrestling with the lions and, um, and getting messy and failing and making those hard mistakes. And then there are the people 
in the crowd and some people are in awe of it and others are hecklers and some people think they could do better and some others think, wow, I could never even be in the arena. And the goal I realized in my life is like, whether I fail, whether I make mistakes or whether I triumph, I want to be the person in the arena. I don't want to be the admirer in the crowd or the heckler. Um, and so I think this, this process has taught me like failure is inevitable. If you want to be successful and anybody that you define as successful on any level has gone through hell and back, they have probably lived many ego deaths and they have faced some really scary dragons that they thought they may not overcome. Um, and the difference between people that find success versus those who define themselves as not finding success are the ones who, even when it got extremely hard, just didn't give up. Um, a lot of times it's the person that stays in the arena the longest. That doesn't mean that they're necessarily the most qualified or even the most talented. They were just the most willing to make mistakes and get back up. And I know that my strength is like, I am so determined and you and I have so many similarities, um, which is why I love talking to you so much because I get fired up. I think we are very similar in these ways. And I would say my strength is that I am very determined, very competitive um, and very driven to accomplish. But I had no idea what it, how to run a business. I had no idea that there were business models or any of the things that like other people are way more talented or knowledgeable about. Um, and so I also think it's important to like know your strengths and realize when you put yourself in the arena, you will be mauled from time to time and you will be heckled and you may be admired. But when you're in the arena, none of that matters. What matters is that that internal like drive in your soul and your spirit is being ignited and you are, you are letting yourself be guided by that, not based on the outcome, but based on the process of what it's like creating in you. Mm-hmm. So. It's so good. That's one of my favorite quotes ever too. And I'm actually mm-hmm. the trailer of this podcast. I read it. Um, so I'm, but I'm going to read it right now. Cause I think what you just said, like people need to be able to hear it. Um, and then this sets us up just to really go the direction that we had planned. So, um, guys, the quote is by Theodore Roosevelt and it says, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs but comes short again and again, because there's no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spins himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. And I think, you know, entrepreneurship has been one of the most intense arenas that I have ever could have ever dreamed up. And it sounds like you would probably agree with that, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and it's funny because what I've been able to learn is like, there are multiple arenas in my life that I get to harvest similar concepts from like my marriage is an arena. I get to like fight, right. And I get to decide to stay in that, right. My faith is an arena. 
you know, it, it, there are so many different worthy causes and things that we get to dare greatly to value and build. And, you know, in entrepreneurship, I feel like that's the place where God has really allowed me a mirror to see what you just said, those shadows and learn to stay in curiosity, not in judgment, because my first few years of entrepreneurship were absolute hell. They were so hard. I would say that's a reason why I am a coach, not because it's the most fruitful leg of my business, because it's not. It's because I'm like, hi, I see where you are. And I know that this is hard as hell. And I would love for you to not feel the way that I felt uh, and stay in that arena. Because the other thing that you said, Macy, is so true. It's just the people who stay in the longest. And it's not even, it's not even, that's not even the point, right? I don't think the point is just like, making it the longest just to win. It's learning yourself in, in the situation, in the highs and the lows, right. And being courageous enough to believe that it's worth it. Right. Um, and so that makes me fired up to talk about the whole reason that we're here. And to preface this, you guys, Macy and I were together for 4th of July and we sat in the swimming pool and talked about this where Everyone else around us was <laughs> having like very light, casual conversation. We're like deep <laughs> in our souls, like talking about like perfectionism and like what we've been able to learn in our journeys and over, you know, the last decade and, you know, who that has made us to be. And, um, that's really where I want to take this. We had this actually on the calendar. I asked you like a month ago to come on the podcast. Yeah. Today, when I was sitting here, I was like, ooh, I actually am going to change what I want to talk about. I want us to really hit on this perfectionism piece because I've been able to look into hundreds of women's minds and businesses and see that this is such a huge theme, huge theme. 83% of women that I have coached over the last three years have identified as a perfectionist, right? And like knows like. So that's just within the the women that I've been able to help. Um, But that's a large percentage of women. And I know that everyone who listens here probably has really big dreams and is sorting through how to navigate those. And I think that's something that um, both of us can speak to. So that's why I'm going to push us here. So we're going to start first and foremost with the definition. So perfectionism is often defined as the need to be or appear to be perfect or even to believe that it's possible to achieve perfection, right? So always striving to be it all, right? And that was 100% what I was trained to be and to do. Would you say that that was always something that you identified with as well? It's funny because I ended up having to, and and we talked about this on the 4th of July, but I ended up having to see a therapist um, in 20, because I, I had been dealing with um, anxiety attacks my whole life, like we had talked about, but I didn't know it was that. But then they started turning into panic attacks. And um, it was a really wild situation where like my body would just take over and I wouldn't even be in a stressful situation. Like I could be talking to you right now and all of a sudden, like my chest would tighten up and I would feel like I was having a heart attack and I would get super hot and like basically feel like I needed to get out of my body Um, so I went to talk to a therapist about it and what she dug up (laughs) was this idea of being a perfectionist, which I had never identified myself as or thought that I was. And, you know, a lot of those questions come back to like how you were raised and 
like the kind of pressures that were put on you as a child. And my parents are amazing. And I really, I don't necessarily know if like they put pressures on me that cause that. I feel as far back as I can remember that I always thought I was supposed to be perfect. Like I don't, it doesn't even feel like it was indoctrinated. It literally feels like I came out of the womb with that concept, like always. Um, It's so weird. And so it's hard to break that back as far as I could. Um, And so to answer your question, 1000% yes. And I don't know myself to have ever been any other way. Mm -hmm. Yep. That makes sense. And, you know, when we were talking in the pool on 4th of July, it was really funny because you guys, we were talking about perfectionism, um, among other things. And then I was like, Oh, do you have any siblings? And she's like, Oh, I have a little brother. I was like, Oh, so do I. And then I was like, wait, do you have any other siblings? And she's like, no, I'm the oldest. And I was like, Oh, so am I. And then, you know, you're talking about our parents and I have amazing parents too, but they, they have like, they're just very similar to her parents. And so I don't think my parents ever were like, go, 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 go necessarily. Mm -hmm. But it was just, yeah, the environment of excellence that I was able to grow up in because that, that is what it is. Like it was who my parents were. My mom loves Mm -hmm. everyone and wants to be the best. And my father, you know, performs at a very high level. And so excellence Mm -hmm. was the atmosphere and being a three-year-old in an atmosphere of excellence is probably something that's interesting just to, to say that. Right. So within that, um, I want to just talk about the situations. And so you guys, for everyone listening, if you've made it this far, um, this is probably speaking to some piece and part of you. Right. And I think there are so many parts of personalities that are different, which is such a gift and such a a God purposeful thing. Right. Um, but beyond that too, I think perfectionism comes in so many shapes and sizes. And so I'm going to walk through this with Macy and we're going to kind of tell you our experiences. And then I'm actually going to pose the question to you. All right. And so if you're driving or, you know, walking, just when I ask you that question, I really challenge you to like pause this and think, about what is true for you and then come through this so that this can be more of an active conversation and, and call for us to like all get better together. Right. So within that, we're going to go like pretty deep, really fast, which is our style, isn't it Macy? And I just want to know first and foremost, like what was your perfectionism trying to protect you from? What do you think? Oh, okay. Well, I, think at the deepest, deepest core, and I'm still unpacking this because it took me a long time to wrap my head around it. I think at the core, and it was something that we kind of touched on in the pool, is that if I can be perfect, the nicest, the most successful, then I will never be put in a position where I couldn't be loved. Mm -hmm. Yep. I accepted. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that was, that was the jarring part of the conversation for me, because that is very much how I operated too. I looked at the world and the environment, and I think there are two main things for me. And I know we had this in common too. I think just growing up in that family with that expectation of excellence, one, um, and then on the other side, 
um, I was really badly bullied in high school and it was very difficult for me. And, um, I think both of those taught me that one, like I needed to be the best, like that's what I was learning at home. And then I learned too, like, if I didn't have it all together, then someone would, they would have something on me and then I wouldn't be accepted. And if I wasn't accepted, I wasn't safe. And if I wasn't safe, I wasn't loved because love is safety to me. Right. And love is stability to me too. And so, yeah, I had very like similar, it all went back to that, like love and acceptance piece. Um, and it, it's so easy to spiral. I've found too back into yeah. perfectionism. If I don't check myself regularly, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. Now I, I want whoever's listening to think about that. What do you think your perfectionism is trying to protect you from? Right. From me, I was being protected from rejection. Right. And, and rejection was like the ultimate danger because if I was rejected, I wasn't loved. And like I said, if I wasn't loved, I wasn't safe. And within that, we all deserve to be loved. We are so loved. We're created from love by love. Like God has more love for you than you could ever imagine. Right. But when we're looking to other people, things, situations, um, and aligning everything so that it can look perfect so that we protect ourselves, things are going to go wrong. And that's 100% the lesson I learned from that. Like, hi, I was trying to protect myself in this perfectionistic loop from being rejected. Right. But then I, I only rejected myself. Right. I only had disdain for myself. I never loved myself. Right. I never allowed myself to give what I actually needed. Did you find that too? what I've come to realize is God designed us to feel comfortable in our bodies, to love our, to love ourselves. And I was becoming more and more miserable because I was operating from a mentality that was not how God designed us to operate basically. Yeah, that's so true. And, and so was I, I felt that so deeply. There is a book called emotionally, spiritually healthy. Have you ever read that? No, it is so good. And in one of the first days, I'm trying to find it right now. It, it talks about the different types of love. And it starts with talking about like to be free for God. And it really talks about how like there's God's love for you. And then, you know, there's the expression of you loving people like Jesus did, right? Which I think gets a lot of airtime, right? So we know that God has like love for us. We know we're supposed to love others, but there's actually a, a middle tier to that love that is the bridge between, which is compassion and acceptance and love for yourself as God made you, right? And what I see so often is, you know, people so like, oh, well, I'm loved, right? Like God loves me or he loves me. And then, you know, getting so caught up in like loving others and being what you need to be for others, quote unquote, need to be um, without that self-acceptance, that disconnect between those two, it becomes a job and it becomes extremely tiring. And then from that place, what does that become? Resentment right? Yeah. You have to have compassion for yourself. And I think perfectionism, um, has a really great way of blocking that. And so the next question that I have for you 
is what were you afraid would happen if you removed your perfectionism? And this one, this one is like pretty deep. And while you think through it, I know for me, like I was so, so deeply committed to like hiding. Mm. Like I was so afraid to be seen, which took a lot of therapy, honestly, and inner work for me to understand that. But it was so easy to be like, oh yeah, I'm loved. And like, oh yeah, I love people. And yes, my life and my shiz is super together. Um, But I wanted to hide from myself. I wanted to hide who I truly was to others. And so I almost had like a spirit of unknowing manipulation in trying to construct the world the way that I thought so I could be safe and accepted um, instead of actually like being who I was created to be. So it, it was the ultimate mask. So that's what I was afraid of. Like, oh, I'll be seen. And if I'm seen and they don't like it, then the core of who I am is bad or wrong or not loved. So I, the option was not there to actually be me, you know? I would say the root of mine was the fear of feeling the same pain that I felt when I was myself and was rejected. Like when that bullying started in middle school and into high school, I basically recoiled into myself. And then I remember having like a distinct moment in like sixth grade where I thought to myself, if I can be nice to everybody and everything to everyone, then no one cannot like me and I won't have to feel this pain ever again. And so I basically put on this mask, like you said, of who I thought the world wanted me to be. And then if they wanted to reject her or be mean to her, it was almost like an internal secret to myself of like, well, that's not actually me. So I'm not the problem. It's this other character. Hmm. And I don't think I was even conscious of it. And my brother like spoke to this healer once who has never met me and picked up through my brother was like your sister struggles with the archetype of the um what is it called the beauty queen or the pageant girl where she's on stage and her hair is perfectly coiffed and her makeup is to a t and she says all the right things and does all the right things but inside she is so sad okay guys i have to tell you just like in the middle of this episode. So it took us like 15 minutes to get on this, which has never happened in almost a hundred episodes. And then her like AirPods were not working and disconnecting. And then it just completely disconnected (laughs) sentence for her. So we know, and I've said this a million times in this podcast. And if you've ever been coached by me, you know, this where resistance comes breakthrough is on its way, right? Like there is a blessing. And so this episode is 100% worth fighting for. I'm really excited. So we're going to get back in now to that conversation. And so Macy, you were saying, that like a woman has literally told your brother, like, Hey, your sister, um, has like beauty pageant, um, uh, yeah. like storyline over you. Yeah. And it was so crazy. And I like, didn't know what he meant. And he told me this actually, I shared this with Allie and, and this is pretty heavy, but we'll just go here. I actually got to a moment like that. I never thought I would ever, ever, ever get to a very low moment when I was faced with the depths of my perfection. And I thought that I was failing as a business owner, a friend, a wife, all the things, even though our business was doing the best it had ever done. Like our marriage was 
great. Our, I had so many friends, like nobody knew I felt this way, but I just had come to a place of feeling like such a burden that I literally contemplated like removing myself, like taking my life. And um, it was a very scary and visceral moment that set me on this path of kind of uncovering and peeling back the layers of the things that Ali and I are talking about right now. And when I had that moment, it scared me so much. And that's when I knew I needed to talk to a professional because I had gone so deep in this direction that I thought was the right direction. And it ended up being the wrong direction. And then I didn't know where where to go or what to do. And that was the moment when my perfectionism was exposed and the house of cards fell that I didn't know I was building. Right. So I took a week or two to kind of like settle myself because I didn't really know how to tell my parents um, and or Troy. And my brother is like this amazing human that will probably be a shaman one day. And so I was like, this is the person I need to talk to. (laughs) I explained to him what happened. And that's when he said, you know, this healer did some work on him and actually explained to him this pageant thing that I had. And that was my first kind of exposure to understanding perfectionism. And I didn't really agree with him at the time. And then I went and saw a therapist and she said the same thing. And I was like, I don't struggle with that. And it was a lot of like deep, 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 deep denial, but it freed me so much. And um, the last thing I think I was talking about before we got lost was I was that girl standing on stage with the applause and the spotlight and everybody on the outer probably looking and thinking, Oh, like must be nice. Right. But the inner was like broken and wounded and miserable and loathed herself. Mm -hmm. Um, and so what that exposed to me was how much similar to what you said, I rejected myself to please the world. Mm -hmm. And I'm now on a path of accepting myself, even if it displeases others, because I trust that I am a good human and that if somebody has an opinion or whatever about me, like that's their own journey now. Like my journey is no longer the story of the girl trying to please everybody else and fill their cup. My journey is now the story of the girl who fills her own cup and through that can replenish the world through the fruit that I bear, but not by depleting my cup to pour into others. And that's really what happened on this journey is my cup got dry Mm. and I had to kind of be this persona or this character rather than being my authentic self. And I will say that society doesn't help that. Like I can be working at the front desk and I don't do this anymore for this exact reason and be very focused on the work that I'm doing. And people will come up and say, Oh, are you okay today? Or, you know, put a smile on your face, specifically men, you know, do this a lot. And Troy can be working at the front desk and people just know, oh, that's a man working. And so our society also a lot of times puts this pressure on females to always be bubbly and happy. And, oh, if she's acting focused, she's just in a bad mood. Whereas like a man acting focused, that's just him being a hard worker. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think we're transitioning away from that. But I think some of this perfectionism is just the energetic things that, like I picked up along the way of the expectation that I felt from my, from the outer world as a whole mm-hmm. to show up as basically. Yeah, that's so good. It's thank you for sharing that. And, you know, I had a different journey, but I want to talk about when we realize it, 
right? When we realize it. And so the question I'm posing, and I want anyone who's listening to really ponder this before you hit play and I dive into this, what are you afraid will happen if you remove your perfectionism shield, right? Um, When we realize it's a shield, right? And we've identified what our expression of that perfectionism is and that maybe this isn't serving me, um, which is a very large job to be done, um, even in the recognizing. Because one thing I'll say is, you know, out of those 83% of women that I have coached who identify now as a perfectionist or have those tendencies, I would say about 70 to 75% of them off the top of my head denied being a perfectionist when I gently brought it up. And help because that would mean that we're no longer perfect anymore. (laughs) That would mean a perfectionist. Exactly. I'm no longer perfect. And also, like, well, I'm not perfect. So if I was a perfectionist, wouldn't everything around me be perfect? Yes. That is I hear that all the time. Well, no, I don't think I'm a perfectionist. You should see my room. I'm like, no, honey. Yes. You're a perfectionist, right? It comes out in ways you might not realize. And, and, you know, the, it's the unpacking and understanding like, okay, who would I be without this shield of perfectionism? That's just the beginning of the work. And I say it work, you know, lovingly, because I want to say too, for me, I went from what you were just saying, I wore makeup every day. I dressed up every single day. I did all the things I led everything. I couldn't mess anything up. And then I'm having panic attacks inside of my room. I remember having my first panic attack. And like being in my head and being like, wow, this is dramatic. Okay. Like, when is this going to get over? We have things to do. And then I was like, oh, that's the issue. There's the issue. Right. Um, because I was just so busy just doing anything I could to prove my worth that, you know, like, sorry, I, I have to get busy rejecting myself to receive love. So like, I don't really have time to have these feelings and this panic. Right. Um, hey. it, a mad sprint. That was my existence, a mad sprint toward worth that could never be proven. That could never be proven. And so, you know, for me, you guys, I, I learned that and I have my own story and Macy's story is so beautiful and being able to recognize it in your story, whatever it is, it's going to be, or is amazing. If you come on the other side of it, you know, I pendulum swung to the other side though, And I stopped caring about what I looked like. And I, you know, I remember one time, like one of my best friends, Natty Burke sat me down and she's like, you really need to shave your legs. (laughs) And I was like, excuse you, bitch. Like I, I was like so heated because she's telling me something like, yes, you're right. I probably should shave my legs. That's a very valid point. It's getting out of control, but also you don't know how hard I worked to be okay with not looking perfect and being perfect and doing everything, every single moment of every single day. So like I earned these unshaved ugly legs. Thank you. Right. So I had to like swing so far on that side. And I would say I'm just now years into this being able to settle in and, and figure out like, okay, so now that we are in this stage of healing, like, who am I? If I'm, if I'm doing both, if I don't need to look a certain way, I don't need to perform a certain way. I don't need to receive love and reject myself in the process, you know, okay. Who am I when I'm shaving my legs and like taking care of myself and with proper boundaries, there's a lot to it, right? There's a lot to it. And so, but, and again, we call it the, the work quote unquote, because again, it's multifaceted. There are so many different dimensions when it comes to understanding yourself and loving yourself and leading yourself, um, as you are, 
right? Not as something or someone or a trophy that needs to be earned or proven. Um, that like, yeah, it's, it, it takes time. It takes years and it's a gift. And, and that process, I, there's so much God in it. There's just so much God in it. And so what happened Macy, when you released perfectionism, like how was that for you? I love this question and I'm still in the midst of figuring it out. And I think I will for the rest of my life because perfectionism pops up in different ways and you learn one lesson and then it pops up in a different way. And you're like, Oh, well, here's a new one. But I think what I found was I had to push everyone and everything to the outside and sit with God and myself and really figure out who am I? Cause I was being defined by the world and I needed to get to a place where I got to define who I was. And so like using the shaved legs analogy, like I love fashion. I have always loved fashion. I like love exuberance and crazy outfits and just like life thinking of life as, as this like giant dress up. Right. And I have accepted the fact that I'm also very much like an all or nothing person. Like I'm either like all in on my fitness routine or all out. I'm either like waking up at 4am every day or like you know, staying up late, like whatever it is, like I've come to honor that that's who I am. And God has made me that way for a reason. And so the other side of my perfection journey is realizing that there are, there were things that I was doing in the mask phase of my perfection that is also still true to me. And then there are things I was doing in that phase that were true to the world. And so what I had to do was was realize who I am and realize that I'm not going to be enough for everyone. And I'm going to be too much for some, just like we talked about, but I don't even care about that anymore because I'm ready to be me. And so it was a journey of figuring out like actually who I am and what I found is like, I love that person. And I'm still finding things out about myself. Like I love to be lighthearted and playful and talk deep. And, um, like I love like, dressing up and doing my hair and all the things I like genuinely love those things. Like I love feeling strong in my body and healthy, but not to look a certain way, but to feel a certain way. Right. And so on the other side of this was like really figuring out what brings me joy and what genuinely doesn't. And also realizing that there are some days like today where I just woke up and I felt emotional and I felt overwhelmed and I felt stressed and those perfection tendencies started to come out. And instead of diving into that, I called my husband. And I said, Hey, um, for the first time in a while, like I have woken up today and I feel overwhelmed and I feel stressed and I am not able to show up in the way that I would want to. And I'm just going to say that on the front end, because you may see some tendencies that I'm working through today that like you saw in the past and I'm, and I'm honoring that mm-hmm. and he like totally heard it. Right. But like, it's weird that we're talking about this. Cause, um, I was telling Allie, like I never cry and I've already cried twice this week, which is so weird. Like I've been feeling emotional. And so I think this podcast has come at a really interesting time where I'm kind of like transitioning into that phase of also honoring that old me would have just said like, well, it doesn't matter how you feel, put your smile on get your clothes on and go on with your day and don't let anybody see the crack and, and you don't, you're fine. Nothing's wrong. And then I would suppress, suppress, suppress. And two weeks later, I'd probably have an anxiety attack. And so today I was like, no, feel it. 
get out of your head and into your body. You don't feel a hundred percent today and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it was just, I'm still in the process of it, but the journey is falling in love with who I genuinely am outside of like the thoughts or opinions of literally anybody and not in spite of them, but literally just because I am who I am and people are going to perceive that however they want. And I have accepted that because I'm coming home to myself really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good. And the coming home to yourself, like to end with that, I think is extremely powerful. Um, I would say like personally, when I you know, was able to step into releasing perfectionism. Um, I really had to understand like confidence from a place mm-hmm. of um, like worthiness, right? And so one thing I I hear a lot of Christians say, it actually like, it literally makes me like, I have an emotional response when I hear it. Um, and so I want to say this, like words are words are words, language is a man-made thing and the words I string together or Macy strings together, um, though they can be so beautiful, they cannot ever fully encapsulate the existence and power and magnitude of what created us. Right. And so I think having these conversations, it literally brings God into the room. Like I believe that because I've seen healing from it right? I've seen healing from women who went before me and people who sat with me and from even myself and being able to walk through these, these scary things. Right. Um, and, and within that, you know, I kept hearing people say like, you know, uh, you're not worthy, right. You're not worthy. Like I, it's not Christian for you to say that you're worthy. And I totally get that. I hear where they're coming from. Like, I, I am not worthy of what Jesus did for me. Like homegirl, homegirl cannot believe that still, but I, yes, I am also, I am worthy of confidence. I am worthy of healing. I'm worthy of walking through these things and being able to have the boundaries to have the space that I need, because as a recovering perfectionist and people pleaser, I will run myself into hell chasing my worth. And I refuse to do that. I absolutely refuse to do that. And I really just give permission to whoever is listening to this, no matter what your belief system is, you know that you are welcome and so love here to understand that, that releasing that perfectionism is an acceptance of worth and confidence. And it's that expression day in and day out. And that commitment to it, that doesn't guarantee that your life will be perfect, but it guarantees that you are worthy and you are enough. And there are powerful good things for you to step in here. Right. And so it just makes me, you know, as I pose this question for anyone who's listening, if you take down your perfectionism shield, right. And let people know the real you, how, how might your life be better? How might your life be better? As we're able to talk through this, what would that be for you? I want you to give yourself space to imagine that. Um, I want you to know that like you thinking through that gives you permission, right? That even the thought is invoking of confidence and that is something that you're allowed to have, right? And so I want to take, as we like finish this episode, you through the five steps. There are three big ones that were really powerful to me when it came to healing from this perfectionism that literally had me at the, like my throat for a decade of my life. And it is consciousness. So that's that awareness, right? So having, you know, this episode and listening this far, I just pray that this allows you to have that consciousness and awareness 
right? Of like the fact that it's real and that it's hard and that also you can overcome it, right? The, the second one is commitment, commitment to yourself, commitment to God, commitment to overcoming these things that may want to control you and have controlled different parts of your life. Um, commitment to the arena is really important, but commitment to yourself, you in the arena is the most important. The third thing is confrontation. Okay. This one was really, really powerful for me, me just confronting myself and then also confronting the things that really triggered me. That didn't mean I was like a crazy mean person all the time. Right. But I had to have some really serious boundaries and I had to be okay with that and figure out what I needed so that I could heal. And then the, the last two, and again, these three last ones are really powerful for me. Connection. It's having these conversations. You know, this is something I started to walk through and I, I want to say 2018. So we're years later and last week or this week, like three days ago, we were in the pool and Mason, and I could have, you know, a conversation about it. And I could realize like, wow, you know, there's so much connection available within this. Right. And there's so much, you know, connection that I can have. I don't have to be isolated or alone within my perfectionism as I work through it. Um, and then change, change happens like understanding that you will grow and change and that like it will make you better to walk through this. I really needed to learn that. And so, you know, I think Macy is living proof of that and I am too. And whoever is listening, like you are as well. And I want to close this and Macy, I'll have you bring it home. But Macy said, you know, Hey, who am I? When she answered that question and she, she said, she echoed what I had wanted to end this episode on like our experience. Um, it's like who we are and what we are made of. It's that, that we get to pour out as a gift to others. And, you know, if you identify as someone who has perfectionistic tendencies, I really want you to understand too, that your experience of who you are and what you are made to do when you pour out your gifts and others and love that is, you know, heaven coming closer. And it's also available to be received for yourself. You don't have to hustle to prove your worth, right? That's also available to you who you were made as right. And for is available for you too. You are not a tool expendable to make the lives of others better or things better. You get to be that but you're a human too. And that's a really beautiful thing. And so do you have any thoughts on that, Macy? You have said so many amazing nuggets. And I think one thing I want to go back to about the worthy comment, right, is you are worthy enough by the love of God to not have to be perfect. So he sent his son to be for us. And what that reminds me of, and it just like is so wild is that who we are is so special to God that it would basically offend him for us to think that we need to be perfect in order to be approved by him. Like God actually just loves who we are, not what we do. Hmm. And ultimately when we can wrap our own head around that, the striving goes away, like the weights release. And you realize that the people that may still show that mirror to you or people that also don't know that they deserve to be loved despite what they can or can't accomplish. And ultimately the world becomes this beautiful place that you get to operate in and be a contributing factor of, but not the contributing factor of whether or not 
like this life will be held together. Like you don't have to be the thing that holds all the things together. And that if one little crack breaks, it's your fault. And so therefore like you're rejected. It's actually, no, you're just one small and extremely large drop in this vast ocean and God chose to create you. And for those reasons, you are perfect. And this journey is about exposing our imperfections so we can learn grace and then being able to accept the imperfections of others and establish grace towards them. And that is what love is. It's without condition. Mm, It's so, I love that. And it, that reminded me too of a really big lesson. Um, And you just put it so beautifully, like perfectionism wants us to think we are God. Mm. Right. And being able to remove that belief system and expectation from yourself lets God move into your life. Ooh, yes. Yeah. So I, and I, I've learned that time and time again, because this is not just something that is over, right? We're always learning. We're always able to overcome and get better and, you know, learn grace and love in a new way. And so Macy, thank you for coming in a transitional week of your life. We were literally talking about this before we hit record you guys, like she was saying, you know, she felt these emotions and she felt like something was happening and, you know, weeks with resistance, whether that be technical or anything within life are, you know, the days that we get to really run toward breakthrough. So I hope that you um, just feel rested and that you just feel so seen. And we're so thankful that you are here. Thank you, Allie. Thank you so much for having me. You are such an incredible host and to all of the listeners out there, it's so clear to me, like the depths of Allie's heart and how much she wants to help. And um, it's an honor to be in, in a presence of somebody who is so dedicated um, to the health of others. Oh, you too. It makes me want to cry, but it's true. Anyone who's listening, like, I think we got to go through all of this for you. So just you're not alone and and thank you and we will see you for the next episode. Woo! <laughs> <laughs>